With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You know Sleeper has these over-under games, and the, the cheat code is you take the over on the good players and you take the under on the bad players. Check out the Sleeper over-unders, promo code UNDERWORLD, for up to a $100 instant deposit match. Let's go. Oh, I got a lot of takeaways. We got a lot of video today. A lot of video. Tons of video. Oh, yeah. Drink a lot of coffee. Going through a lot of, a lot of film, right? A lot of film. Highlights, really. Highlights. A lot of stats. A lot of game logs. I'm seeing a lot of, uh, you know, uh, uh, arbitrary cutoffs of uh, game log data. So we're going we're gonna to go through some, some game log data. We also have a request for a dance party. We haven't even uh, sniffed a dance party, really, this year. But when you have uh, one that uh, Jacoby Myers enters your starting lineup, right, because he was he was uh, active, questionable, and then active uh, against the Lions, you know, this is going to be a high – if you're not going to play Myers against the Lions, you're not playing him. So I activated him everywhere. Uh, FFWC, he's my most rostered player in all of fantasy football, and he scored his first touchdown since – Week 17 of 2021. And so congratulations, Jacoby Myers! I don't know, though. A Jacoby Myers dance party, really? It just seems, it's that's tough. I I don't know, I can't, right? It's tough to justify. I'm not going to, I just can't. He's a great player to have, having drafted him in round eight and nine. Remember, he was the, the arbitrage Jerry Judy. Imagine a better Jerry Judy. But uh, four rounds later, he would have been the same guy at Alabama had he gone to Alabama. It's all it. It's all happening. He just, as it turns out, Jacoby Myers with Bailey Zappi has a better quarterback than Jerry Judy and Russell Wilson. Uh, maybe Russell Wilson has has been playing through a sore shoulder, and that's that's the explanation for his inefficient play. I don't understand it, but uh, Russell Wilson is getting completely and utterly dominated this year by Geno Smith. So Geno Smith is uh, tripling up all of his statistics, right? (laughs) It's like Russell Wilson isn't even a QB2 in fantasy football. Geno Smith is a QB1. Did you just let that sink in? Geno Smith. The Geno Smith. That's right. That's right. Woo! Wow. We, Evan Silva and I had planned to do a, a Seahawks takedown, and I'm sure, you know, mocking Geno Smith would have been on the agenda, happy we didn't, because I also knew that Gito Smith was relatively efficient last season and that he would have great weaponry in DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, two of the best uh, wide receiver duos, or one of the best, why is it? It's one of the best wide receiver duo in the league. It's not better than Chase and Higgins, though we'll, we'll talk about Jamar Chase in a minute. Oh, we I have something for Jamar Chase. 
But no, they're not quite Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, but you know, top five. Top five wide receiver duo in the league. So Geno Smith uh, outperforming Russell Wilson in a cartoonish way, in a way that no one could have ever believed. Right, you know, Russell Wilson's played. Oh yeah, he's he's been playing all the games. He's he's been relatively healthy up until the shoulder injury, and now he's being completely and utterly eclipsed by Geno Smith. Who would have ever thought that possible? But I just can't do it. I can't do it. A dance party, really, for Jacoby Myers? I mean, really? I just I can't can't bring myself to it. I want to. I want to. I mean, everywhere. Imagine every dynasty team, right? Imagine most. Redraft. Imagine the, the majority of high stakes teams. See, that's the interesting thing. Like the case against going tight end in that draft spot in seasonal leagues, you know, round eight, round nine, round ten. Billy's case was always there's gonna be great players available, players you're gonna want to play. In the FFWC, you can start with five receivers, three receiver starting spots plus the two flex positions in full PPR. He said, you can't afford to go tight end here. And you really should wait on quarterback unless an exceptional quarterback, a Lamar Jackson's falling to you. You you really should just keep pounding running back and wide receiver. Get your Tony Pollard, get your Jacoby Myers, or get your uh, Tyler Lockett, right? So I looked up and a bunch of Tyler Lockett in the FFWC. I didn't remember, but that's what ended up happening was we would keep going back to that well, keep going back to the wide receiver position, and it was all predicated on one rule of thumb, one specific rule of thumb, which was good at football. Like the starting point, and I remember going on Sirius XM saying this, uh, it, was one of my, it was one of my hobby horse statements and positions to take on all these different Sirius XM shows, which was the starting point is are you good at football? DK Metcalf, he's good at football. He is the signature size speed specimen at the wide receiver position. He's a guy you're going to want, right? And then he, he, this week, 17 fantasy points. Locked up with Marshawn Lattimore. Pretty good. Uh, Tyler Lockett, it, it, 27 fantasy points. The grimy, unsexy Tyler Lockett, right? The guy that's awesome at football, can win in all quadrants, has a 100-catch season on his resume, but was one of the least sexy options because of Geno Smith. Yet there were a ton of subpar quarterbacks, below average quarterbacks, that you knew that wide receivers, especially the number two wide receiver on their respective team, would struggle given that, okay, let's say Drake London is the clear wide receiver one, the clear alpha in that passing game. It's not a tight end. It's never a tight end unless it's Travis Kelsey. So drafting Kyle Pitts in the third round didn't make a lot of sense. Drafting Deontay Johnson, drafting Darnell Mooney, a lot of these wide receivers tethered to bad quarterbacks didn't make sense at their ADPs. That was good process. So if you weren't drafting DK Metcalf in the fourth round because of Geno Smith, I'm not the one that's going to say told you so because I wasn't saying told you so. I was saying, yeah, in the fourth round, go ahead and take a Cortland Sutton. Go ahead and take a Mike Williams. Much better to go with, especially Mike Williams, a guy on an offense that we absolutely love, that we know is, we are certain they're going to be prolific, they're going to be fast-paced, they're going to be pass-first. So Mike Williams was the priority, even over a DK Metcalf, but 
as the, as the weeks played on, it, that was very early in the summer when you were even making that decision in the fourth round between Williams and Metcalf. By the end of the summer, Williams was a third rounder. Metcalf was falling into the fifth round, sixth round. At that point, then it's like, okay, you're deciding between DK Metcalf and another wide receiver who's not nearly as established, who also has a huge question marks at the quarterback position like Elijah Moore. At that point, you got to go DK Metcalf. So that's how you ended up with some Metcalf is when he would fall into the fifth round. But we were taking Williams, we were taking Bateman over him, and I am absolutely fine with that process because if you go back and look at all those wide receivers from Brandon Cooks to Darnell Moody to Deontay Johnson that we knew in that three to five round zone were going to be tethered to bad quarterbacks or who we thought would be bad quarterbacks. Avoiding those was good process, even though we weren't really avoiding Brandon Cooks because we thought Davis Mills would be better. So if you missed out on a bunch of DK Metcalf, don't feel bad. If you were avoiding Tyler Lockett for rookies drafted outside the first five rookies selected in the draft, like Traylon Burks or Sky Moore, shame on you. See, that's bad process. That's just being over-speculative. We talked about this. Uh, oh, why are you drafting Sky Moore? Because uh, you're hoping to get Tyler Lockett. <laughs> right? You're hoping to get what you're going to get from Tyler Lockett. Just just draft Tyler Lockett. It's okay. It's okay. At that point, chasing Patrick Mahomes jumps the shark. If you're going Sky Moore over a Tyler Lockett. So that that's the learning. If you're looking at Lockett and Metcalf, hey, where could we have done better? Yeah, you should have been you should have been drafting Metcalf over Elijah Moore, those types of wide receivers, absolutely. Even over a Devontae Smith, yes, yes, okay. And you certainly should have been pounding Tyler Lockett later on, rounds later, right there with Jacoby Myers, where I remember in the draft kit specifically on the on the cheat sheet well ahead of consensus on Myers and Lockett. And now you're seeing why. Because the starting point is, are you good at football? And that was the starting point with Brees Hall. If you want to have a dance party, people, right? You want to have a dance party? You want to have a dance party? It's time to have a Brees Hall dance party. The name of the show with Alan Soslowski was Brees Hall Final Answer, right? It's all about Brees Hall. Brees Hall is phenomenal. Brees Hall is just this combination of Camara and Barkley, and Ladanian Tomlinson, all rolled into one, right? Imagine all these great, Herschel Walker, not the politician, the football player, all rolled into one. That's that's Brees Hall, and we knew it. We knew it, and you look up, and like, wait, I think Brees Hall has actually been a top 15 running back every week since week one, right? So week one, they ease him in. They say, you know what? You're a rookie. So for the first week of the season, Michael Carter is going to awarded more opportunities he's deserved it with his veteran deference and then as soon as week two rolls around okay 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 all right all right Brees Hall you're a top 15 running back and he has been and by the way just just as a reminder though I know technically Brees Hall was not a top 15 running back in uh week one but he did get 10 targets that week he did get 10 targets I mean it it's a Brees Hall dance party let's go Let's go! Don't we have any sound effects? Don't we have some sound effects? We must, we must have some sound effects. I don't know what that is. Shouldn't we do all a bunch of... Isn't this what we should be doing? Isn't there a train horn somewhere? I mean... 
right car revving the sound. Isn't that good? We got the correct answer. I mean, how many? This, this is it. This is it. This is what I love doing. Just pressing buttons. The dance party. I wasn't going to do a dance party. That's why I didn't even have, I didn't have the dance party music queued up because I said, you know what? We're not doing a dance party on Jacoby Myers. Nice try, Twitter. Nice try, guys. Hey, by the way, great stuff. On Discord especially, we have a whole Top 10 Takeaways channel on our Discord. Just go to the player profile or homepage. There's a join the Discord right there. Get in there. Uh, and so I, I love the suggestions. And again, the suggestion of the Jacoby Myers dance party was a sound suggestion. He's helped me win some matchups this week. But we don't do dance parties on, on, on players like Jacoby Myers. I would much rather, especially... I mean, especially when we have a Brees Hall with 100 yards and a touchdown plus another 100 yards receiving and what should have been a touchdown. Should have had a touchdown on this play. Let's check it out. Let's check out Brees Hall getting downfield. So there was they, they faked a handoff to Michael Carter, and then they had Brees Hall in motion running down the sidelines on a wheel route. And he takes it all the way down to the... He's fighting, he's fighting, he's fighting, he's fighting the two-yard line. Okay? He's a man. That, that's what a man looks like. And remember, when we talk to those that are, are charting running backs, and especially the running back routes, Dwayne McFarlane, they talk about target depth for running backs. That those running backs that com command 10 yards of depth an average target depth of 10 yards or more, there's a handful of those running backs in the league, like Alvin Kamara, like Christian McCaffrey, where they're running predominantly wide receiver route trees, not just flares out of the backfield, not catching the ball behind the line of scrimmage. How often is that running back catching the ball behind the line of scrimmage versus in front of the line of scrimmage versus downfield? Well, you're seeing that Brees Hall is catching a lot of his passes beyond the line of scrimmage, and downfield. He has the speed. He runs a 4-4. That's the beauty. If you run a 4-4, athleticism matters in athletics. We know athleticism matters. That's why athleticism metrics are featured on player profile or unlike any other place in sports media because we know it matters. It matters in that play. In that play, you saw why speed matters. How you can't ask James Conner to run that route. And yet people were drafting James Conner and Ezekiel Elliott over Brees Hall. And it didn't make any sense. It didn't make any sense. I don't know you're saying, oh, well, you were also drafting uh, Travis Etienne. Okay, well, Travis Etienne actually got the negative game script we were hoping for, or at least you know, even game script, right? The game was 6-6 six, six for most of the game, okay? So he at least didn't have the positive game script holding him back. And then what does he do? Well... He puts up 71 yards on the same number of carries as James Robinson put up 27 yards. You're going to get to break a long 30-yard run if you keep getting reps. Robinson was getting the reps, and he was breaking the run. Now you give ETN the reps, he's going to break the run. And then ETN also puts up 43 yards in the receiving game. So he had more than 110 all-purpose yards and no touchdowns because they didn't score any touchdowns. The touchdowns are going to come. The process was right. If you're in a seasonal league, you'd rather have ETN over Connor right now, who is predictably banged up because he can't avoid contact. That's the whole reason why we're worried about a James Connor injury is the history of lower body injuries stretches back years with James Connor, and 
he runs to contact, which means he's going to take more huge collisions. And that's what we're seeing with James Conner right now, where it's a rib, it's a shoulder. This this is the life of the big bruiser backs. You know, this no one's allowed to be surprised. So yeah, Brees Hall and ETN were both better picks than the dusty Connor and uh, Zeke. And I'm not sorry. And, and who was also looking better than Zeke? Who else? Who else could be looking better than Ezekiel Elliott this year? Who's 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 in the same the same backfield? Oh yeah, Tony Pollard. Tony Pollard. That was a pretty damn good pick, right? Look, think about that zone of picks where you're 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 going Drake London, right? You're going Tony Pollard. You're going Jacoby Myers. You're going Tyler Lockett. That that sweet spot of drafts is is going well. And we talked about it in the the main event how. I decided to select David Montgomery over Antonio Gibson in that particular zone. And as it turns out, that was the right process. Antonio Gibson was a raging sell at the beginning of the season when, oh, I don't know, uh, Brian Robinson was out with a gunshot injury. Now he's back. Antonio Gibson starts the year with a 65% snap share. Now, week five rolls around, Brian Robinson's activated. And Antonio Gibson's snap share has cratered to 30%. Is Antonio Gibson a better running back, give you a better chance of winning by giving him touches over Brian Robinson? Yes. Giving him touches even over David Montgomery? Yes. Yes, he gives you the explosive plays. You want explosive plays like what we just saw from Brees Hall. Or how about what we saw from Tony Pollard? So this is why you play Pollard over Zeke. This is why you play Gibson over over Brian Robinson. This. This right here. Boom! 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 Two stiff arms. He drives two guys into the ground and then accelerates past a defensive back on his way to a touchdown. Okay? See, that's the thing. See, see, I know, I know that Ezekiel Elliott isn't capable of doing that anymore. And if you know, you see it in practice, how is it possible that McCarthy can actually play Zeke over Pollard, when you know that 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 touchdown is out there, right? Pollard helped you win the game. Zeke did not. I mean, look at the stats. I mean, the stats are embarrassing. Pollard, 8 for 86. Zeke, 22 for 78. Okay? And this is just a theme. This isn't, like, all of a sudden. Oh, crazy. This has happened. Zeke, one day, just turned to dust. No, this has been two years in the making. This is year three in the Ezekiel Elliott decline. This has all been happening. You don't have to need you don't need elusiveness metrics like we have on playerprofiler.com. You just have yards per carry. You just want to look at yards per carry. It's it tells the story, right? So Pollard was always the better bet at ADP at cost than Zeke. I mean, he's good at football, right? He's explosive. Like th these are the players we love. Right? Yeah, it's and this that's the reason of a dance party. If you want to have a dance party, that's the reason of a dance party right there. The reason of a dance party is explosive running backs with juice, explosive wide receivers that are good at football, they're delivering, right? And you have great these this renaissance story like Geno Smith. That's the reason of a dance party right there. It's not even one player. It's just the process is the things that you care about. It's that you're not drafting James Conner in the third round. You're not drafting Ezekiel Elliott in the fourth round. You just say no to those picks. You just you just say no. 
And then we have all these all these analysts come on. And they and they say, oh, well, look at the touches. What about the touches? And I say, well, if you just can't, the, you just want the touches, then just, you could always keep waiting, right? Wait two more rounds and you can get Josh Jacobs, David Montgomery. You want those guys. Why are you drafting them over a Mike Williams? Why are you drafting them over a Brees Hall? It doesn't make sense. You really want those guys. Those guys are available rounds later. What's the big deal? Right? What's the big deal? Then the, the problem is, though, <laughs> in every one of those rounds, like if you, let's say you wait till round six, okay, maybe I can, maybe I'll just go Josh Jacobs. Here's the issue with going Jacobs in round six. Uh, that's when you wanted Drake London. That's the problem. Drake London, 33% target share. He's number three in the NFL in target share. If you have a rookie, he's number three in the league through five weeks in target share. That's exceptional, but because he's on the Marcus Mariota offense, and it's going to be the Ritter offense soon enough, Atlanta lost again, so you've got to stash Ritter now in Superflex in two QB leagues. It's going to happen. I mean, Pickett's already the starter, right? So it was like, who's going to last longer, Trubisky or Mariota? Well, Mariota, but not for long, okay? And which wide receivers are ahead of London in target share? It's, oh, I don't know, a Cooper Cup. Right? It's pretty good. Turns out he was the, the the best pick, right? If you drafted Cooper Cup with the 101, that was a good that was a good bet. Or Jefferson, right? If you just avoided those running backs altogether. Like that was my question. I was like, why are we even bothering? Okay, can't we just draft these guys 101 or 102? And then Billy's rationale was, well, if you have the 101, you're never gonna get Taylor. So you'll you just want a little bit of exposure to Taylor, and the way to get that is to use the 101 on him. The next Dominator show, everyone remind me. In, in Discord especially, remind me to bring this back up to Billy because it rang so true to me, that rationale. But now I'm like, why? If you wanted all the Cup and Jefferson, just get all the Cup and Jefferson and win the maximum number of leagues with Cup and Jefferson. What are we doing here? Why are we trying to get exposure to certain guys? It's a, it's a good question for Billy. I mean, I know it's completely different when you're volume drafting in high stakes, but I, I want to... We gotta, we gotta ask him to answer that question again because, geez, man, geez. One other uh, uh, position that Billy took was that he didn't think that Chris Godwin could beat him this year. He thought a guy like Gabriel Davis could beat him, but he didn't see a guy like Chris Godwin beating him because he was coming back from a late season ACL tear, and that's turning out to be true, right? Chris Godwin was invisible, but that's not because he, he was out there and wasn't getting separation or was dropping passes. He just wasn't in the game. Chris Godwin wasn't playing in the second half, nor should he be playing at all. Like, Chris Godwin should have come back this week. You need to protect players from themselves. He's so hyper-competitive, which is how we got his body ready. And you need to look at that player with his body ready, telling you I'm 100%, and the doctor's looking at him over going, hey, these Everything is sound, structurally sound. He's ready. You need to have the foresight as a leader to say no, no, no. Looking back historically, the probability that you're going to experience some sort of setback or compensation-related injury because you're not in football shape, you haven't practiced enough, you haven't played enough games in preseason, you're coming into week one having been you know, fresh out of the box. You know, and that's just not the way to go if you're coming off a major reconstruction of your knee. It's just irresponsible. Letting Godwin play those first couple of weeks was irresponsible, and now they're paying the price. Now they're paying the price. The NFL does this every year. 
they rush players back, and then those players suffer some sort of secondary injury. The same thing is going to happen to Amon Ross St. Brown. Oh, he's, he's back on a snap count, right? It's a high ankle sprain. It's not really a sprain. It's high ankle fucked. If you get one of these high ankle fucked, three weeks minimum, because there is, there is connective tissue damage and bone damage at that interchange of the ankle and the fibula and the tibula. It needs weeks to heal. And you can just grind on it for the rest of the season. But he's never going to be the same. If you want to see Amon Ross St. Brown be Amon Ross St. Brown in the second half, you got to put him on temporary IR. That's what they should have done. But he's so hyper-competitive. He and Chris Godwin are made from the same thing. The same material that the gods used to make Chris Godwin was used for St. Brown. Right? That same hyper, the same competitiveness, the same you know, healing, the rapid healing. It's all the same, and yet you can't allow them to put themselves in danger, to allow their hyper-competitiveness to, to put their, their health at risk because it hurts the long-term prospects of the team. The Buccaneers would be in much better shape right now had Chris Godwin come back this week for the first time. The Lions would be in, they'd be in much better shape if St. Brown had just stayed off it for weeks. But no. No, instead, we're going to let Godwin play the first half. And then, oh, we have this in hand, kind of, and we, we'll, we'll, we'll let him rest. But he already played. He already put the stress on it. Any healing that was done was already wiped away by letting him play at all. Just, it's, it's just silly. It, there's, right? It's the same disease that allowed the Dolphins to put Tua back in, that allowed the Buccaneers to let Chris Godwin play week one, and has now allowed the Lions to play St. Brown. So Billy was right that uh, Godwin could not beat him and uh, the NFL wouldn't let Godwin beat him, but Gabriel Davis could beat him because Gabriel Davis is showing again why you have to play him no matter how volatile he is because he's on the bills and they're going to put up 38 points and some of those touchdowns could go to him. But it is interesting for the long run for dynasty to note that he has not hit a 17% target share in any game this year in, in his career. I mean, find me the game in the regular season. Find me the regular season game where Gabriel Davis has a 17-plus percent target share. I just want to see the game. Put it in the chat. Put it on Discord. Somebody show me. Show me the game! So if you're wondering why he's not higher in Dynasty, that's why. That's why. Okay? That's why. Why? And and why we've always had Eno Benjamin higher than consensus. Well, he's going to get unleashed. It's going to happen. It's gonna, he's just a better running back each and every week. He is more consistent, more efficient than James Conner. Okay. And, and there he goes again, right? He got the touchdown, not James Conner. I know James Conner had a better yards per carry. Okay. Cool. Right. But uh, guess what? Benjamin, four targets, another 28 yards receiving. James Conner, one target. So, okay. James Conner can rip off a 17 yard run. Maybe there's a hole. Great. Benjamin didn't get a hole. Fine. But on the year, on balance, looking at all the touches, Benjamin has been more efficient, and he's an efficient pass catcher, 3 of 4 for 28 yards. When Benjamin is in the game, the opposing defense does not know what's coming. And, and this is the great tell. Like the great tell that Sean McVay isn't quite... Isn't, Sean McVay is just not quite as clever as NFL media makes him out to be, 
Look at the distribution of touches between Darrell Henderson and Cam Akers. I mean, it is embarrassing. It is absolutely embarrassing. I, 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 I can't explain it. I can't explain it. In week one, the Rams had it right, which was you play your more versatile running back. As it turns out, Darrell Henderson is just a better receiver than Cam Akers. He is. He just is. I didn't know that until now, but he is. He's also he had a very similar receiving line to Eno Benjamin. It's a very similar dichotomy. Henderson to Benjamin versus Akers to Connor. You're getting a very similar production from both of those guys. They're between the tackles grinders. Akers is out here just missing wide open running lanes. That's that's how do you go 13 for 33 rushing, missing wide running lanes? This is the Cowboys. This isn't the Bills. Okay, Akers should definitely have had more yards on 13 carries and no carries for Henderson. So you're just going to bring in Henderson when you're going to throw and you're going to put in Akers when you want to run. Really? R- really? Just Sean McVay just telling on himself. Okay, cool. But, but I will say that isn't as bad as what Joe Mixon was doing. Now, Jordan Richard pointed this out on Twitter. So shout out to him. Look at Joe Mixon. When Joe Mixon stands up as an audible is being called and does not go back down to his full crouch, it is going to be a run. Have linebackers picked up on this? Is this why the uh, Bengals lost again? I don't know. I don't know. All I know is when you go full Voldemort like Joe Burrow did, losing that game is hard. If you're going to wear all black and, and, and you, you're you going to go, you know, the who shall not be named, the who shall not be named, you got to win the game. Right, it's a t- it's just tough. It's a tough loss. That's a tough. That's a tough situation. It really is. I feel bad for him. Like I wore my black outfit, right? And spoiler alert, uh, Voldemort does lose in the end. So I guess that's what happened. Does that make Lamar Jackson Harry Potter? Maybe, maybe. It, does that make uh, J.K. Dobbins Dobby? Is that is he Dobby? Is he? Is, do, spoiler alert: Dobby also dies in the final book. So, hate to do it. Hate to, hate to spoil it. Shh. Spoiler alert. I mean, Dobby dies. Dobby dead. I mean, hero. He died a hero, but he did. He he did. He did die. He did die. Poor Dobby. Harry Potter free Dobby. How can Dobby ever repay him? Just promise me something. Anything, sir. Never try to save my life again. Mmm. Mm-mm. Full Voldemort. You can't you can't lose that game. Jamar Chase. Also. Uh, disappointing, right? Uh what's going on? Jamar Chase, uh, inefficient again, not producing fantasy points again. Meanwhile, uh, there goes our man, Justin Jefferson. So what do we do with this? What do we do? What do we do in Dynasty? How, how, do, we, how do we react? Like at, at what point do we say, well, not only is Justin Jefferson the wide receiver one, but Jamar Chase isn't necessarily in his tier. And then the question becomes, well, okay, he's not in his tier. Fine. What does that mean? Does that mean that CeeDee Lamb is now possibly 
the wide receiver in two in Dynasty? Well, uh, Chase did command 12 targets, and uh, on those 12 targets, he gave you 50 yards. This is against the Baltimore secondary. Okay, and as we talked about, CeeDee Lamb is number two in the NFL in target share, and his quarterback is Cooper Rush. Meanwhile, Jamar Chase is, is Joe Burrow, and this was without T. Higgins. See, CeeDee Lamb doesn't have a T. Higgins. He has a Michael Gallup. That's not the same thing. So one guy has T. Higgins, and T. Higgins is likely to sign an extension. So once T. Higgins signs the extension, can you keep Jamar Chase ahead of CeeDee Lamb in Dynasty? So a convergence is coming between these two, and there's no longer a question. There's no longer a debate between Chase and Jefferson. We won again, having Jefferson ahead of Chase. It's just because why? Why speculate? Right? Why, why draft Sky Moore over Tyler Lockett in a seasonal league? Why even bother speculating? What's the point? Taking wild swings. Why speculate? You know what you have in Justin Jefferson more than you know what you have in Jamar Chase. Yes, I know Jamar Chase once upon a time outproduced Jamar Jefferson on the same team with Joe Burrow. I get it. But that was 2019. A lot can happen in three years. You can't just look back three years ago at a particular set of circumstances and go, oh, well, that's the truth forever and ever. Amen. It's going to be Chase and always Chase, no matter what. And that's bad process. So actually, no, Jefferson has been more historic as an NFL receiver than Jamar Chase and deserves to be the wide receiver one, has always deserved to be the wide receiver one in the last all of 2022, and now deserves to be in his own separate tier. So congrats, cheers to uh, Justin Jefferson, who is uh, just a, a phenomenal amazing guy what else could you want is there anything you could want i mean that's the one thing if you have cooper cup you might say yeah i have cooper cup but i'd like a little bit more downfield explosiveness well okay that's justin jefferson he went 12 of 13 okay that's like a 90 what 94 percent catch rate for 154 yards oh didn't get the touchdown big deal oh jacoby myers did though cheers so yeah, Jefferson is everything that you get with Cup plus the explosiveness. So you tell me how there ever has been a rationale for Chase over over Jefferson. Doesn't make sense. Mike Williams, oh man, just thank God. I was worried that first game without Keenan Allen, he disappointed. I was like, oh, no, no, no. Our our whole process was Mike Williams in the third or fourth round, always and forever, Mike Williams. He, he he personified our process, right? And finally, we can relax and say we were right. 40% target share in week five. A top 15 wide receiver performance in three out of those four games where Keenan Allen was out. And Keenan Allen's missed four games now. That's a devastating hamstring injury. That's one of the most severe hamstring injuries you'll see. So Mike Williams, he was the cheat code, especially if you can get him in round four and then avoid all those receivers on the bad teams where you could take instead the outside playmaker on one of the best offenses. Yeah, it's a, that's, it turns out that's 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 good process. Good, good, good. And the cheat code at tight end was David Njoku. The uh, top three tight end, David Njoku. That's right. So in the later rounds, that was that was the way to go. And we talked about how contracts matter and how we talk about contracts more than any other show. We have a whole show dedicated to talking about contracts called Decision Point. 
And David Njoku's contract came up on multiple occasions. It came up so much. Like, I remember that it was more than $50 million, like $54 million. It was crazy, like $28 million guaranteed. Something like that. You can check the math. You can check the, the but it's some, it was something like that. If you're getting more than $25 million guaranteed and you're 26 years old and you have like a 99th percentile Spark X score and there's only one receiver that you could argue is better than him in the whole passing game in Amari Cooper and they're going to get Deshaun Watson for the second half, it's like, yes, you want David Njoku. Yes, yes, yes. He's it. He, he, he's a league winner. That's if you can get leverage at the tight end position and compete with those teams that have Kelsey and Andrews with David and Joku, because if you went David and Joku, that means you could have drafted Fournette. That means you could have drafted Chubb. That means you could have drafted uh, Barkley Swift. Swift's going to come back, right? Fournette. He went 10 of 11, right? He's like, is he the Justin Jefferson of running backs? I mean, he's so efficient. 35 fantasy points. This is this is what it means to get not only a guy that's getting all the touches, right? We talk about that. Hey, he's getting all the touches. Oh, getting all, Connor's getting the touches, right? And we said, you need to be discerning about the old dusty running backs. A 27-year-old running back, he needs to still have juice. You can't show declining efficiency year over year. You have to demonstrate that you still have the explosiveness, the fast-twitch muscle fiber. Fournette has not shown any signs of decline like a Connor has, like an Elliot has. That's the difference. That's why he was a second rounder for a reason. So yet you don't no, say no to every 27-year-old running back. You have to take them on a case-by-case basis. Also, uh, Fournette happens to be on the Buccaneers. So he's on a great team and hadn't shown any signs of declining efficiency and was top three in the NFL in opportunity share and a total target magnet. And he's picking up right where he left off. And the only case against him that we made was in half PPR, maybe Nick Chubb. And so far, so good on Nick Chubb. Another two touchdowns. We knew that that 15 touchdown season was hanging out there for Nick Chubb. And now that we know that he's halfway through his Jacoby Brissett penance and he gets Watson. Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, man. And and Kamara's through his penance, too. Kamara. Snap share closing in on 75%, 25% target share, right? This is what he's going to be this year, okay? Now, it was Seattle, so let's not start sucking each other's dicks quite yet, okay? It was Seattle, but this is very good usage sign. I know some might say, hey, well, it's Seattle. Sell high. Buy him. I'm buying Camara. Buy high on Camara. I don't care if it was Seattle. I love the usage, and he is Camara. Last time I checked, he's Camara. Is Camara Camara? Hey, is Camara Camara? Yeah, he is. Is he? Okay. All right. Good. And Kenneth Walker's happening. Kenneth Walker. Hey. Uh, even distribution of carries and was more efficient. And I don't know how anyone could be surprised by this. Apparently, I don't believe this. I Nate was waxing online something about somebody somewhere having Rashad Penny ranked ahead of <laughs> ranked ahead of Kenneth Walker in Dynasty. Like, I just, like, no. That's not, that can't be right. That can't be right. Uh, I'll take his word for it. Okay? Because that would be ridiculous. Okay? We've had Walker orders of magnitude ahead of Penny, always. <laughs> and also even ahead of, like, Ezekiel Elliott in Dynasty. What's the point? Why would you want Ezekiel Elliott? 
Kenneth Walker was the best runner in college football last year and then became a second-round pick. Right, He's been a top-20 dynasty running back on our dynasty rankings, player profile dynasty rankings, you know, all year. I don't, I don't know why you would – guy's 21 years old and he suffers a hamstring injury in training camp and it takes him a couple weeks to get ramped up especially knowing that there is a, a, a veteran who performed very well at the end of last season, was a super efficient running back in his own right, why would he just supplant that guy in week one? I mean, Brees Hall didn't even supplant Michael Carter in week one. It takes these guys a few weeks, and now we're seeing. It's taken Walker a few weeks. He's had a couple nagging injuries, and now he's healthy, and he's performing better than Penny, and no one, no one, no one, no one, no one is allowed to be surprised by that. You are allowed to be surprised by the Chase Edmonds usage, right? So there's been uh, we were feeling really good this week. I'm going to be five and zero in the Scott Fish Bowl. Hey, one of the few uh, undefeated teams uh, doing well uh, across the board in leagues. This was a great week, but again, we can't just say, "Hey, victory lap week, dance party week." We have to take an L always. It's a balance to the force. <laughs> This Chase Edmonds, man. I mean, what? <laughs> he goes from a 65% snap share in week one down to what, 15? Something like that? Was it 10? Was it, it wasn't it wasn't below 10, but it was embarrassing. It was really bad. And this is a game they were losing. Okay. This is why it's even more concerning. They were getting crushed. Okay. It was the Jets won that game 40-17. This was a Chase Edmonds week. How? How is this possible? Like how? I, I and I mean, just, and also, how is it possible that you can have forty points scored and no receiving touchdowns? Corey Davis, Garrett Wilson, and Elijah Moore and Conklin all shut out, shut out at the window. No touchdowns. Forty points. No touchdown. What? Oh yeah, you know how you do it. You do it with a Barrios rushing TD, and you do it with uh, Michael Carter. Vulturing two touchdowns. That's how you do it. If you want to know, if you're curious, that's that's how you do it. And Conklin, by the way, those uh, days of streaming Conklin are over now that Uzoma's back. Out targeted him. There may have been injury. Maybe I don't know. Was there an injury? I didn't. I didn't pick up on with Conklin. But that's if there wasn't an injury. I, I haven't checked the Tyler Conklin injury logs. I apologize. Hopefully you all can can accept my apology, a genuine humble apology if I, I didn't see Conklin getting hurt. But yeah, no, no. It's uh it's all about Njoku, but that 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 Njoku ship is sailed. It's not like you can get Njoku. Can't go back and get Njoku. Just to remind everyone, we had experts, experts on the show. We had John Paulson, we had Billy Muzio, we had Sean Kerner. These guys are all number one on fantasy pros and rankings and projections the last five years. Muzio, number one last year, right? John Paulson, like Kerner, like these guys, they're the best of the best. And they all, without fail, without question, right? Loved Chase Edmonds this year. <laughs> I mean, I, if we bring on super smart people and they push back, like I, I have been inoculated to take lock i i will absolutely hear them out but no one was there to push back on chase edmonds it was all green lights with chase edmonds we were wrong i just don't know how we could have possibly seen this coming right especially the health 
I mean, I had the Injury Finder app, right? And you look at the Injury Finder app, it's like, ah, uh, <laughs> Mostert should have been hurt two games ago. So now we're just holding on to Edmonds as a handcuff to Mostert. No! Oh! Oh! He was also being drafted in that zone, that golden zone, right? Where he was like, oh, who are we going to get? Lockett. Oh, London. Oh, Myers. No. Pollard. Ah, no, no. Edmonds. Oh, damn it. A.J. Dillon was drafted about a round before that zone started. And uh, he's been inconsistent. Uh, and in the sleeper bowl, A.J. Dillon did draft A.J. Dillon. Now, his snaps have declined, right? So I think his, his peak was like a 60% snap share. And then last week or yesterday, 30% snap share, but no targets, right? No targets. So his targets have been declining week over week. The problem was Aaron Jones also no targets, like three targets. Aaron Jones involved very little in the passing game. That's actually been more surprising. Jones has been more productive in fantasy football, but I'm actually more surprised about his lack of involvement in the passing game than I am about A.J. Dillon's touch share or opportunity share. I'm also surprised that the Packers, I don't know, lost to the Giants. Like we sometimes we, we just we dive into these fantasy performances and and the opportunity metrics and the usage and we we get fixate on that and we lose sight of the, the bigger picture, right? Bailey Zappi shut out the Lions. That's a thing that happened. The Jets destroyed the Dolphins. That's a thing that happened. And the Giants beat the Packers, who are 3-2. and two. And what do we say? We said, oh, <laughs> who do you want to take to win the division? Vikings, right? You want to take the Vikings over the Packers. And uh, now it's looking like it could be the Vikes. The Vikings are 4-1. and one. So they're in the driver's seat. That was a great bet to bet against the Packers, bet against their win total, bet against them winning the division, bet on the, the, the Vikings winning the division. And that was a way to take the Vikings winning that division was a way to bet against the Packers, just like taking the Eagles to win that division was a bet against the Cowboys. And so that's all working out. Again, this was a great week. Week five. I, don't, I feel like week five is one of, the, one of the best weeks for us every year. I, it's every year. I don't know. Maybe. I, don't know. I also want to bring your attention to Justin Fields. Justin Fields is getting incrementally better. It's a slow process, but he is a second-year quarterback. He's been uh, more productive than uh, Mac Jones. He's been more productive than Zach Wilson. He's been more productive than Trey Lance, hasn't he? Right? You want to want to just you know fade Justin Fields into oblivion? He did go 15 for 21. He was efficient with 200 yards plus and no picks. Okay. He is getting better. That was a road game. Okay, He went on the road and was efficient and took care of the football. He also had this play, which you should check out. From his own 40-yard line, he goes left, skates by a defender, jukes out another defender, and then just coasts into the end zone. That play was called back. So that there was a penalty on the play. That play never happened. If that play had happened, let's, let's look at the numbers. Let's check the box score. Briefly, okay, he would have rushed for 100 yards and a touchdown and thrown for 300 and had, he would have put up, he would have posted 300 plus total yards, 100 rushing with both a rushing and passing touchdown on the road, if that had counted. Just want to point that out. Do I have a bunch of Justin Fields in Dynasty? I do, 
I do. I do. Just it's the way it worked out. You know, he just he fell to me. He and Mac Jones fell to me in drafts a couple years ago. So I am biased. That's right. And notice Amir Smith-Marset made an appearance. Amir Smith-Marset is a good football player. So we're going to continue to monitor Amir Smith-Marset. He's getting snaps. We'll see if Cody mentions him in Undercovered Ops. That'll be interesting. Potential player to take the over on moving forward. Justin Fields, especially the passing yards over. Places like No House Advantage, right? No House Advantage where you can do prop game parlays. You can take the over on Fields and Mooney and Komet. Like there's going to be a week where they all hit the over and then the payout escalates, right? Their, their payouts escalate up to 20x on No House Advantage. Use promo code UNDERWORLD and you get a $25 instant deposit match. Or you can look at it like this, a 100% instant deposit match up to $25. So you put in $25, you get $25 with code UNDERWORLD. And the best bets on No House Advantage this year have been on those Seahawks, the Seahawks stacks. Geno with Metcalf and Lockett. So if you can come to Jesus early in the first couple weeks of the season and see what we saw, right, the efficient play, number one in the NFL by a number of efficiency metrics on playerprofiler.com through a few weeks, then you can pound those stacks on no house advantage just like we have been in DFS. DFS prop games and GPPs are similar in that you're looking for the value stacks that have maximum upside where you can ideally double stack. That would be Smith with Metcalf and Lockett on No House Advantage, promo code UNDERWORLD. The Eagles are destroying. That's another one, right? Take the Eagles. Take the Eagles. And, you know, after week five, and this is why we do top 10 takeaways on Monday, as early as possible on Monday, because I want to warn you, you're about to hear a lot of stats because we have five weeks of data. You're about to hear a lot of just nonsense and bullshit, okay? And one of those is going to be the arbitrary cutoffs. Watch out for the arbitrary cutoffs. Just just be on the lookout. I saw this one on Devontae Smith. That Devontae Smith has 15 or more fantasy points in three of his last four games. He's not volatile at all. He's super consistent. Or we have a... a a five-game sample, you could just use the five-game sample. Why are you pretending week one didn't happen? Week one did happen. Was it a different quarterback? No. Was it a different offensive coordinator? No. Was A.J. Brown not playing? No. A.J. Brown's been playing. Okay? So what's the problem? Was it was Goddard out or not out? Did Goddard just come back? No, no, no! It's just an arbitrary cutoff. For those that are predisposed to want the best for Devontae Smith, it's called confirmation bias. You seek the stats that fit your narrative, that Devontae Smith was a great value. No, he was a great best ball value. He's going to be a best ball receiver as long as he is the number three option for the Eagles, and he is. He is, right? Even in a week where he did finally command a bunch of targets, 11 targets, uh, Dallas Goddard had more receiving yards. Sorry! Like, it's just, it's it's the life of that type of receiver. You just have to own it and know it and not fall for these arbitrary cutoffs, okay? You could just say that he's had 15 or more fantasy points in three of his last five games. That's also fine. 
That's fine. Or you could say this. You could say, well, he's only been a wide receiver two or wide receiver one in two of his last five games, right? Because in one of those games, he was the wide receiver 25. You see, you could, you, the arbitrary cutoff cuts both ways. Okay, so enough with this. I mean, I posted a video on TikTok, at Player Profiler on TikTok. We're also on Instagram. Check us out on Instagram, at Roto Underworld. And so here is here is what I think of one uh, Devontae Smith. Can we see? Can we? I know we can't zoom in on this, but there's a... Uh, there, it was a very uh, unfortunate, very unfortunate strap position in my uh, crotch area. And so the, the comments on TikTok, my family shot that video of me bouncing up and down on a bungee uh, trampoline at a fair. It was the Freiburg Fair in Maine. Freiburg Fair. And uh, I just when you go to these fairs, just do everything you can to eat as little as possible. That is the hack. The lifestyle hack is eat before you go to the fair because there's so much high caloric, just completely awful food that you want to eat. So just stuff yourself before going to the fair. That's my that's my advice. And this was a a basically a bungee uh, ride or uh, whatever it is activity for children. The other kid, there were five year olds and six year old. I had to get weighed. They said that they didn't think the 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 carny did not think that I met the weight threshold for the for the uh, activity. He pulled the scale out. I said, I said weigh me. He's like, the, the, the weight limit is 180 pounds, sir. I was like, weigh me. I'm going on that thing. I have a TikTok in mind. He's like, okay, cool. I'll bring it out. And he went and he got the scale. 177 pounds. Bam! And then, so they, and then they had put all the elastics on me. All the elastics. Just so I could do a TikTok. And I was exhausted. They're like, why didn't you do flips? I'm like, flips? It was, it was exhausting just to get up there. And then I had no idea... That my, like, the way, the way, listen, I know it, the people online, my family was getting a big kick out of the comments on Twitter, on on TikTok especially, because there's a lot of comments about my genitals, uh, my cock, my cock and balls. And, uh, yeah, so there's a lot, of, uh, a, lot of, a lot of hog talk, hog talk. I saw some hogs at the, that's the, the irony is, I saw hogs at the Freiburg Fair. So... <laughs> and, and others, including uh, some children, unfortunately, saw the outline uh, of uh, a, a hog at the uh, bungee activity uh, game thing. And uh, it was just an unfortunate thing. The way the strap was, that it pushed my balls up and out. And whatever, wherever my, my uh, penis happened to be. And what level of hardness? It wasn't like I was aroused. I was uh, just trying to execute on a TikTok. I, I I don't know. I don't think it was a semi or anything. I'm just trying to explain that it does look like I have a giant soup can penis. That that is true. I think it's an optical illusion. I think it's the way that the balls and the shaft were sort of uh, meshed with the harness 
I, that's the best way I can explain it. I am not one of these freakish porn star dudes. I'm not. I know. Now listen, the comments were very flattering. Okay. I definitely showed them to my wife and she laughed. Okay. Thank you all. I appreciate all the positive feedback about my penis. Um, my wiener's in great shape. It, by the way, it was not in any way injured by what happened. So uh, no, no penises or balls were damaged in the making of that video. Uh, but it is, I, I, again, to all of you out there, I just I want to I want to say uh, that, uh, alas, and I, I hate to admit this, but this is true. And I, again, I don't tell lies on the show. I, I could easily just say, hey, yeah, yeah, oh yeah, that's just, uh, yeah, you know, that that's my hog. That's it. That's my hog there, boy. Yeah, that's what it looks like. That's how big the hog. That's the hog there. You got to see the hog there. The, 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 the way the strap was with the harness. You know, and the bungee thing with the Devonte Smith video. That that was that was what. The, that's the hog. That that be the hog. It's not the hog. It's not that big. My dick just isn't as big as people think. The balls and the shaft, balls, shaft, shaft, balls, balls, shaft.